Welcome everyone to another episode of Talk About Sustainability. Really excited to have you all here for episode four. Really excited about this episode for two reasons. One, our interview with Matt Lord, a friend of mine from back in high school, and him talking about his new farm. But before that, really excited to have our guest host today, Gabe. Uh, Gabe's part of the Talk Core team. Uh, welcome, Gabe. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks out there to the Takakore world. Um, excuse me for a second while I mess. I'm milling in some really big shoes I need to fill, so I'm trying to get them under the desk over here. But no, I'm, I'm psyched to be here. I'm psyched to be on the podcast. Uh, thanks for having me and psyched to talk about Matt Lord a little bit. Yep, yep. And Millen will be back in the future. You know, we had to shift some schedules around, got a lot of things going on with Takakor, so no one wasn't able to- He's in the Takakor workshop. He's in the R&D lab, just hammering away like the mad scientist he is. Yep, he's doing a great job, and we didn't want to interrupt that, so we brought in Gabe for this episode. Gabe, uh, as a fan of the podcast and all things sustainable, curious uh, if you have any things that you do in your in your life at home around sustainability that you'd like to share sure i um everything about my life is less than sustainable these days <laughs> i have a so what the world doesn't know is that i have a new baby so i have a nine-month-old baby at home thank you so most of my sustainability especially around the pandemic has been focused on transition from dependency on you know ordering out and stuff to cooking for ourselves more. So the my sustainability action today looks like I have a giant pork butt in the oven and we're making some pulled pork rather than ordering it out and going to a store, we're, you know, learning how to do stuff for ourselves. So barbecue is a three-day process now. That's what we're doing. Nice. Sounds delicious. Yeah. Uh, and Gabe, after the, uh, after we, Check out the interview. We'll talk about a little bit about your experience with gardening and farming as well. But we're really excited for everybody to check out the interview with Matt Lord. And here it is. I thought you did an awesome job. Let's get to that interview. It's sick. Yeah. Enjoy. Welcome to our next guest, Matt Lord, AKA the Gentleman Farmer. Uh, Matt and I have known each other for a long time. We go way back, uh, back to high school. We grew up in the same town. I remember more recently after, after high school and college running with you through Willard's Woods and, and you always had the, uh, the solstice annual party at your, at your place when you lived here in town, right? I have, yeah. I have, I have some fond but somewhat vague memories of those times. Uh, <laughs> But more recently, you've, you were living in the city, and now you've moved out to Western Massachusetts, where you're starting to set up your, your farm. And I'm really excited to kind of dig into that a little bit. But I got to ask you first, uh, yesterday I was preparing a little for this podcast, and I hopped on your, your LinkedIn page and saw your headline, Gentleman Farmer. So I got to ask, who, who is the gentleman farmer, and what, what does that mean? So, I mean, it's a concept from, you know, colonial times, which are heavily scrutinized for various reasons right now. But, you know, 
there used to be an educated class of landowners that had a professional basis, like, like John Adams, who was a lawyer, but mm -hmm. also ran a farm in Braintree, Quincy, okay. maybe both. I don't know. Um, we'll look it up. <laughs> and so, you know, it, it comes from that idea because that's, you know, a lot of where we're at right now. The, the farm work is, is not a, um, a, an economically sustainable thing for us at, at this point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that actually segues to that kind of first question I have about that transition that you're kind of going through, that you're in the process of. You, you, you're talking about lawyers, you were practicing law, uh, you were in Jamaica Plain, right, in Boston? And, or, or yeah, no, no, it was, it was, it was close. I was, um, let's see, at, uh, my wife and I were in Somerville. She was in Jamaica, okay. and we got married. We got our own place in Somerville. Um, and it was very shortly after our wedding, you know, we're sitting around the um, kitchen table and talking about like, okay, you know, what do we want to do? Do we want to be in this space again next year? Do we want to try and buy something? Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, my wife, we, we wanted to buy something. She had two, maybe three sort of like must-haves. Must have a space for a garden mm -hmm. and must have the opportunity to uh, commute back and forth from work at no more than 40 minutes each way. Okay. So everything in like the greater Boston area was off the table based on our budget. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's expensive. Was that, so was that an idea you already had to, you know, move out into the country and and set up a farm, or was it just, um, how, how did that idea come about, I guess is what I'm trying to ask. Was that something yeah. that you had been thinking about before, or was there like a sudden moment where it was like, hey, let's let's go start a farm? So, I mean, it's like, I'm, I'm trying to put together like the key elements there. So like, that was one. Um, okay. For me, like other key things is, you know, I have been involved in, organizing around different policy things uh, professionally uh, uh, as an attorney, not as an attorney. Um, and, you know, I have not been impressed at how our uh, economic and government structures are responding to what are some real challenges that are like very visible to, you know, people in, in the United States at very least. Um, you know, on one hand, we've got big things like climate change, which are just not getting addressed, right, you know, mm -hmm. um, and on the other hand, there's like huge evident economic inequality as well, so it's like there are these major challenges that are facing us in society can be totally different types, not really getting met, not like much of a response. Yeah. Sort of looking at that as like, I've got really very little faith in the economic or government systems to maintain a decent quality of life for me in 10 years, you know, having gone through now two lifetime, you know, economic shocks in the yeah. past years, right? Yeah. For my kids. So the opportunity to have land and develop it into a more, in, in a, under a more sustainable model has been an idea for a long time, sort of, you know, 
I don't know if it's a goal. I don't know if it's a dream now that I'm doing it, but <laughs> it seemed like the right thing to do. And so once we got to the point where it's like, okay, we can't afford anywhere in the greater Boston area. We want to stay in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. My wife uh, has been working in university libraries um, for over a decade. I was like, why don't you look out in Western Massachusetts? There's approximately five colleges per capita out there. There's got to be one that has a, a job for you. Um, and that ended up working out. So now we're out here. That's awesome. Uh, did you, before, um, did you have experience growing food before this? Were you in, in when you're living in the, either when you're living in the city or, or when you were younger? Is that something that you were kind of experienced with? in the past no no so you brand new no i i have i have next to no experience um what about your wife did she because she wanted the garden right so she she's a very avid gardener has been an avid gardener for you know more more than a decade now right okay years um she completed uh like master gardener certificate program up in Vermont when she was um, living and working uh, in the Bennington area for a while. So, and she did do this work as a child with her family. Um, So she has a a familiarity and confidence, um, at least in the vegetable and flower gardens that we have. It's been a good basis to help me work off of. Oh yeah, that's that's key because you know I'm I've started a garden, an indoor garden here. It's actually right next to me, uh, and it's definitely challenging. And I've, I haven't I'm not even growing very much. I can't imagine just going like, oh, I'm going to have a farm and have all this land. Like I got to figure this all out. So I guess I guess she she helps a lot with with that. Um, but you, when you're talking about uh, climate change, I'm wondering how that impacts your planning or do you think about that when you like maybe for instance with the type of I know you're growing you planted some apple trees recently do you do you select the species based on you know what you think the weather pattern changing weather pattern changing climate is going to be you know many years down the road is that something that factors into your decision making um no it's so the, the reality is that the property that we are on is for conventional agriculture, like pretty marginal space, just because of um, the water level on our property is very high. We uh, directly are in the floodplain for a small uh, tributary of the Connecticut River. Um, it, used, it was part of a larger property that was pasture for um, dairy cows and had been an orchard at one point in time prior to that. Um, but some of that land was taken by the town and is now actually occupied by beavers. And so there's a huge beaver pond that they built, which mm. is the water level um, even higher. <laughs> so a lot of what we're doing is suboptimal for conventional farming it's mostly just like what is possible on this marginal area i'm expecting there's going to be more water in the future with flooding and things like that if 
there's not much room for me to go in that direction and plan finding that coming other than like, all right, we're going to dig out ponds and do rice patties. <laughs> yeah. it, it, it's like, there are people doing that as part mm. of culture, but it's, and perhaps that's something in the future, but like our, our planning is, is largely related to what can we do now, both in terms of the space that we have and will immediately take, and what can we do now in terms of the labor and capital we have to invest in? Mm -hmm. it's, it's really a, a decision around what's possible as opposed to what's optimal based on future changes. And so apple trees were one of the things that is yeah. possible, correct? Apple tree, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's like this, there are tons, all, there used to be an orchard here. There are tons of orchards in the area. Um, I didn't get like a specific tree. I got like 15 or 20 varieties mm. into them. And, you know, we're going to see what works over the next three yeah. years. What doesn't work, then there's going to be spaces to fill in with the varieties that have been more resilient. That sounds like a good plan. And so the, uh, the, these apples, do they take a few years to produce fruit or how does that oh, yeah. work? Yeah, so I mean, this, the the whole we're we're playing like a real long game. Yeah, this the apples. I mean, they'll probably start producing some fruit in four or five years. Mm -hmm. I don't expect to get a really any sort of economically viable crop off of them for closer to eight to ten years. Okay, um, for them to be producing. So a lot of what we're doing now is setting ourselves up for food security and some self-employment income as we get older and head towards retirement. And then also, you know, create the opportunity for business growth for any of our progeny that would want to do that. That's awesome. I love the, the long-term thinking. That's smart. Um, so, you, so obviously you're not selling anything now. You didn't have a plan to be you're not selling anything for many years, so the pandemic doesn't really necessarily factor into your your plan for the for the farm business. But I know you have a bunch of neighbors and friends that are that are farming. Curious about how the pandemic has kind of changed their business. If they were selling to other businesses like restaurants that got shut down, have they been able to reach consumers and get you know that produce in people's hands so that you know, it's not being wasted. Yeah, so I've got like, I, I got two examples I think that I can um, put out there. Um, we, we know some folks that run Kitchen Garden Farms, which is in the next town over in Sunderland, Massachusetts. They've been playing the long game. They have slowly built up from uh, the gentleman who founded it, who had an acre and basically was doing a kitchen garden in his backyard to now yeah. managing dozens of acres. I can't remember exactly the size of the plot that they just managed to purchase just last year to hugely expand their business yeah. when the pandemic happened. Wow. They have formed a cooperative with three or four other farms to change from doing um, you know, wholesale work mm -hmm. to direct-to-consumer. And it's been stunningly successful for them. Um, I think that a lot of their success has been based on uh, really quickly adopting a very smooth and, and well-run online distribution, um, consumer distribution program. So 
They came up with you know distribution days and a, a, a web interface to, to work with this, a website, all of that, and got it rolled out and looking good very quickly. And they've, they've done really, really well with that, which is awesome. Yeah, that's amazing to yeah. be able to adapt that quickly. I mean, I think we all saw stories at the beginning of the pandemic of, you know, food just rotting in the in the field. And so that's great that they're able to, you know, get get that food in people's hands and, and not be wasting it. That's that's awesome. And so is there a specific places may, maybe people could find online where this is happening that you're yeah. aware of? So Sunderland Farm Cooperative, if, yeah. if you for that you're gonna in Sunderland Massachusetts um, you're gonna be able to see all the stuff that they're they're doing there I would certainly point to them you know and like the other direction which is you know kind of different example right is um, we work with uh, someone that keeps bees on our property um, and they just have a license to use the property in order basically to breed queen bees that are resilient to the diseases and pests that mm -hmm. have been destroying hives in the Northeast. Um, and Ange of They Keep Bees, had, uh, we had a conversation last week and they were telling me that, you know, they, they ran a number of different businesses around beekeeping. They did lectures on uh, how bees and their society can help us learn about how to organize better. They did lectures on beekeeping and how to be a better beekeeper. They, did all sorts of various things in the hustle to maintain a life around bees. And now, you know, they said, it's, it's just the bees. Nobody wants a lecture, right? I mean, you know, it's like they're trying to figure out how to do their own thing. Yeah. Um, and just the very simple, you know, work that they had, had been at the center, they retreated. It's not on the web. It's not this. It's just I'm breeding bees and selling them to people I know and that like making it simple and focusing there, yeah. cutting costs, other things is yeah. I found that can be successful. So I, I, I thought they were really interesting sort of contrast and in, in the direction people went. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really cool. Um, shifting gears a little bit. Um, I'm curious about you as a farmer, what, what you're measuring and what you're kind of looking at. And, and maybe this is uh, for, for some of your neighbors as well that, that are growing different things. Um, what, what kind of metrics interest you? I know you, you were emailing and you were talking about how it hadn't rained for a while. You had a little bit of a drought condition and you almost were gonna have to manually water all your new apple trees. And fortunately then the rain came. And so obviously you're looking at things like the weather. I'm just curious what else um, and, and if you're not necessarily measuring anything, what would you like to be uh, looking at in terms of metrics and data? Yeah, so um, I mean, a lot of my focus is still on building efficient operations mm -hmm. in, in terms of procedures more than um, tuning inputs yet, right? Okay. Um, and and it, I think one of the big goals for us is to be as self-reliant and not have industrial inputs like fertilizer and things like that. So, you know, I would love to be paying closer attention to the actual volume of 
chicken guano that's going into the compost versus the wood ash and charcoal that's coming out, right? Like those volumes should be pretty close and I'm just eyeballing it right now, right? Yeah. Like yeah. there would be ways with that, that I could be measuring those inputs both in bulk um, and then also in chemical testing that, you know, I hope once I've gotten the cycles and, and that sort of stuff down, I'll be able to advance to doing that. Um, more, more soil testing would probably be a good thing for me to be doing just in terms of chemical composition, pH, all of that. Yeah. I think up until now, I've been a little reticent to do it and just afraid of what I might find and <laughs> what it, it, it could entail. Um, but made some good advances over the past year, so maybe it's worth actually taking a look. Uh, that, yeah, no, that sounds great. Yeah, we'll get we'll get some uh, Takakor sensors in your hands at some point. Yeah, yeah. Sure, maybe that can help you understand what's happening in the soil. And ignorance might be bliss, but yeah, I think we, we you want to know what's going on, right? Um, yeah. Cool. I think you know this your your whole kind of trajectory here in your life of of changing into uh, switching into this urban environment and and now living out there in the country and setting up your farm. I think. There's a lot of people that I've spoken to recently during the pandemic that are thinking about changes, like big changes like that. Maybe they're not necessarily, maybe some of them are, they do want to go start a farm, or maybe it's just something smaller, like what I've kind of done, growing and expanding my garden. Curious if you, like, if anybody out there that's kind of thinking of making a big change like that into farming, would you have any advice for them? Maybe maybe things that the resources that they might be helpful in in figuring out their path forward or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, farm farming is very challenging. Like if you're looking to like start this as a career, like you want to do like a midlife career change, like you know what, I just can't ha handle the marketing department anymore. <laughs> yeah. Like put my hands in the soil like um if you've got a ton of money behind you i i say go for it but it's hard it's you know buying good farmland um especially in the northeast is expensive and there's areas that could be good farmland but they're forested now mm -hmm. and so that's expensive to get rid of forests um you know, there are definitely, there are great markets out there, but just getting from the, where you are an idea to out there, it, it takes time and money. Yeah. Um, there, like, I've spoken with a couple different organizations and trying to help me get focused on how I might make that bridge from yeah. the idea to profit, right? Mm -hmm. um, I was much more impressed with the local um, nonprofit CISA um uh community something supported agriculture i can't remember and, but they as a local hub that is devoted to sustainable agriculture and helping build markets in the area um, and understanding what people here have been profitable in and being able to work in that flexible way they were fantastic i also talked to the local usda field office the people there were super responsive. I was really impressed with the knowledge that they had, but the federal, you know, sort of structure and guidelines in which, in which they had to work just 
didn't really provide the sort of engagement that I was looking for. Mm. When we bought the property, it's not a large property. You know, there's about five acres of mixed brush and whatnot with a bunch of invasive stuff that, you know, I was hoping like, hey, can you pay me to do this? You've got all these conservation programs. If I'm yeah. getting this, they're like, oh yeah, sure. We'll pay you to go and spray it. I'm like, well, I, I'm yeah. not spraying here. Yeah. At the bees, there's a, but well, they're like, well, that's what we can do. Yeah. So, like, the local organizations, they're devote, if what you want to do is local sustainable type of agriculture, which mm -hmm. is I, the only type of agriculture I would encourage anybody to be doing. For sure. Then, you know, working with the local nonprofits, and they're all over the place um, food access nonprofits, you know, market, market hubs like ours, that would be my recommendation. And, you know, if you can grab some good federal dollars, that's great, but don't expect it. Yeah. No, I think that that resonates, it resonates with me that, you know, you're stuck in this job. And I think that people want to get into gardening or farming, not only because of the self-sufficiency thing, but also it's kind of like a connection to something, right? It's connection back to nature because we're doing all, all we can really do is these digital connections. And, you know, I'm in, a, I'm in the basement by myself right now, so. Yeah, not right. it's, it's just kind of strange right but having a garden and like slowing down you know and i think there's you know probably true of farming too there's a lot of like emotional well-being components to that have you uh experienced any of that because i know you've got the in addition to the apple trees you've got the garden out there too yeah yeah i mean it's like i think that it provides yes so it hasn't been as much this year, um, but it's starting to get to that point where it's like, you know, I remember last year, every day this time of year, I'd wake up it, and, you know, you start to get used to it. We got chickens, the chickens are making noise, they need food at six o'clock in the morning. I'm outside in the garden at six o'clock in the morning, looking at things, you know, walking around. Um, it's slow. I'm not feeling pressure to do stuff like just it creates an impetus, uh, a reason to be outside and doing something good. Uh, yeah. You know, just just moving around, moving your body, trying to pay attention to things that are, and, and, and understanding there's some things you can control, there's some things that don't work out. Like there's, you know, there's a really nice give and take. I, I think that that's there. Mm -hmm. um, that, you know, the garden itself has helped out with. Um, and, and, you know, doing the development on, on trying to the rest of the property and getting it up to speed is nice too. Yeah. Very cool. Well, I really appreciate you, you sharing your story. Uh, I wanted just to give you an opportunity if there's any places you'd like to direct the audience, whether to find out more about you and your farm or maybe some of your neighbors or some of these organizations that you're talking about. And, and I'll also, um, link to them in, in the show notes as well, but just wanted to give you an opportunity to um, promote any of those organizations or neighbors if you'd like. Yeah, so I mean, Sunderland Farm Cooperative and, and They Keep Bees, um, you know, They Keep Bees has a great Instagram feed. I'll make sure that we can get the link in. Awesome. Uh, and Sunderland Farm Cooperative, if you know, you're out in Western Massachusetts, um, and I encourage you, you know, if you're in the Boston area, what I come out here on the weekend, take a drive, you know, get out to the country, yeah. um, go visit a river and go, 
Like it's it's definitely something good to do. And you know, look up Sunderland Farm Cooperative before you come out and put your order in so you can pick it up Saturday on the way back and have all sorts of great farm veggies. Um, those are folks that I would definitely plug. Um, and yeah, and if you want to come out here and do agriculture, uh, look at CISA, C-I-S-A, um, that's the acronym, I can't remember uh, the full thing, but they, they will have a wealth of information on, on ways you can enter the marketplace out here in Western Mass. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, I encourage people to do that as well. I, we Before the pandemic, we were able to come out and visit, and granted, it was still winter, but it was still really cool. And I think actually, isn't the governor promoting that now with some of these like state travel, like traveling to Maine and stuff? They're encouraging people just to stay in Massachusetts. You wanna go out in the country, Western Mass is great. It's a great place, a lot of cool things going on. But uh, yeah, just wanted to say thank you, Matt, for, for coming on here and sharing your story. Really appreciate it. Awesome stuff that you're working on. Uh, thank you. Yeah, no problem. This is fun. And welcome back. Uh, had a great time talking with Matt about his experiences with farming and gardening and this transition that he's going through in his life, moving out to Western Mass. It was really cool to talk to him about his experiences. Gabe, what did you think? I thought it was great. You know, I think Matt has a really inspirational story. Um, for me, I was in Somerville not long ago, just like Matt was before he moved out to Western Mass. Um, and as you can tell by my beard, I sort of fancy myself a bit of an outdoorsman. So the idea that Matt actually took the plunge and left city life, his wife got a new job and they like bought a property that they're going to try to like work the land and make a more sustainable life honestly sounds like a dream to me. Um, so I thought it was a really cool discussion. How'd you feel? I mean, you know Matt well, but this was sort of a different take than your average conversation with Matt, I would assume. So like, yeah. how was it sort of learning about your buddy on a new level? Yeah, I definitely was surprised when I was talking to him about the fact that he didn't really have much experience as a gardener or farmer or growing plants and prior to making this change. His wife, as he, as he spoke about does, but I was definitely, I thought he was growing up gardening and that type of thing. And I guess it kind of shows that you don't necessarily have to have all that experience and you don't have to have grown up in an environment where you're doing those types of activities. You can still transition to that even as an adult and learn new things and, and get new experience. Obviously he's able to you know tap into his wife and other resources that he has but no, what you're saying is I, the lack of experience, but him jumping in, that was something that I found, again, inspirational, but also interesting that they were able to like buy a property and they didn't really care what they were going to grow or anything. They just were ready to like, okay, like there used to be apple trees on here. Let's just like go for apple trees. And it's not like he went out looking for an apple orchard to buy. I sort of really liked that they were able to just like roll with it. And if they're successful, then it shows that like anybody can sort of just roll with it. And if you're willing to put in the hard work, like you can have the dream too. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's key being able to roll with it and look at the land that you have and what's kind of, uh, what's, what you can do with it, what would fit best there. 
and um, being able to to adapt. And I think that's actually something that the Sunderland Farm Collaborative has done really well. We speak about it in the in the interview, but with the pandemic and uh, as I mentioned in the interview, you see, we saw at the beginning of the, the pandemic, uh, all these crops being wasted, rotting on the in the fields, but Sunderland Farm Col Collaborative was able to really adapt quickly and change their business model in order to reach consumers so that they wouldn't be wasting that food and they'd still be getting that food in people's hands that are going to eat it. And they've done a really and fantastic job. Honestly, I thought Matt was sort of like blowing smoke when he was like, oh, check them out and come out for the weekend. It'll be a fun thing. It's like, oh, yeah, everyone in Western Mass says that. Like, no, 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 no. I looked at their website. It's, it's a sick website. Like they, you know, it's the best of farm stand living mixed with like, you can just order it online. Everything. Did you check their website out? They have thumbnails yeah. of every farm vegetable they have. You just yep. like build a cart and then pick it up. Like it actually is a cool thing to do for city folk on the weekends. Like go out to people, go out to Western Mass, put in your Sutherland Farm Cooperative Order come home with a basket full of fresh fruit and vegetables like amazing i gotta i gotta do it one of these weekends for sure you should totally do it with the girls that'd be yeah. amazing and i mean it, it those those pictures it looks they've got a ton of different stuff a huge variety of vegetables fruits uh you know eggs all this stuff so uh, yeah i think it it looks dynamite and i'm like amazon priming stuff from stop and shop like why it, it's easier than that they have their own website you're picking the actual vegetables like i don't know why i'm not buying from them all the time i should bet, be. you know i bet that food tastes great and is really good for you and yeah we can still get it done during the pandemic and be safe about it and yeah, I, I gotta I gotta get out there and try it. Next time I take a trip out there for sure, I'm gonna be purchasing some stuff from Sunderland Farm Collaborative. So definitely everyone, I recommend going checking that checking that out. Check out the website, get out there, get some fresh veggies. Nothing's better. I've been eating in a, back here in my my home my home garden behind me in the in the black tent. I had uh I have some sugar snap peas growing in there and they were growing and I have the trellis, but they kept growing beyond the trellis. And then they started producing the snap peas, which then got heavier and then the hops all kind of collapsed down. So I had to- um, Are they still growing though? Like are the snap peas still doing well? Well, so I picked just them off, of like the bigger ones and I was eating them to try and reduce the amount of weight at the top. But I also took some wire and kind of extended the, the trellis, trellis and yeah. tried to like prop it up so it'll hopefully it'll attach. But I just did that yesterday. I wouldn't overthink it. Like we have some sugar snap and some sugar magnolia peas here that the fence is probably four feet high or four and a half feet high. And they went a couple feet above it. They ended up just snapping, like not totally yeah. off, but bending at hard angles. And they were fine through the, they kept growing. And I think pea like all that those vines that are made to climb and stuff same with i have a bunch of tomato plants that full on at the ground have yeah. turned to the side you know like hmm. from the storms we've had and they're shooting out tons of fruit right now so i wouldn't overthink the trellis thing but that's good advice because i was a little concerned i haven't grown something like that i've mostly grown the, the leafy greens and the herbs so this yeah. is kind of my first try at growing something that would need that support growing up 
Uh, so I was, well, when, it's I, like, when I opened it, I was like, oh no, they fell over. But I was like, I better eat these now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen. But yeah, you, you have, you have a, a pretty extensive garden down there. What, 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 all, what else are you growing? How's that going? It's going really well. I was actually thinking about um, back to the mat interview for a second because you opening your tent, seeing the like keys over on the side, talks to Matt's point about sort of, I mean, I don't know if Matt put it this way, but acceptance and humility around the idea that like there are things you can control in a garden and things you can't. And that's been one of my favorite parts about this is my first season really starting a garden from scratch early in the spring. Um, uh, my own personal vegetable garden that is. Mm -hmm. And like, I think that, you know, I've had a lot of situations, be it the, the peas or the tomatoes being snapped over, um, you know, fruit going too big. Like uh, we have zucchini and some squash that are going and they've gone like crazy. I was at my in-laws for a couple of weeks and I came down and I was like, oh my God, they're giant. <laughs> but being able to like roll with the punches, mm. um, I think is, is a really great lesson and something that, you know, I could really relate to in um, Matt's sort of story about what he gets out of gardening. You know, he was talking about the idea that it just, it's the impetus for him to get out and start moving his body at six in the morning to yeah. start paying attention in a different way. And with that comes like that humility and acceptance of, hey, like things are gonna ebb and flow. My peas are gonna snap. And maybe it means I need to eat a ton of peas that night, yeah. which, hey, there's nothing cool. wrong with like going on a pea binge. Like, oh, they were delicious. Peas. I really enjoyed yeah. it. <laughs> it's like summer Halloween, right? Like sugar yeah. snap peas. Healthy Halloween. Better than Reese's, not really. <laughs> Reese's sent, yep. Hashtag Reese's, Reese's commercial. Well, you know, yeah, I mean, a lot of people are gravitating towards the Reese's and that stuff nowadays, which, you know, you gotta, you gotta do what you're gonna do. You also should be eating healthy. Um, well, there's the, there's the quick hit of like mental health and taking care of yourself. And sometimes a Reese's can be a really great way to say like, hey, good job, you've been working hard, like have Reese's. But that more sustainable mental health piece of like what's a grounding force in your life that helps keep you right sized, helps, you know, fulfill you on a level. If I spend the morning gardening for 36 hours, I'm super psyched. It doesn't matter, you know, and, and I'm, I really like stuff that gets my blood pumping and gets me sweating and all that. But gardening, you know, it's hard and backbreaking work in a different way but it's also really centering. And I feel like that is a sustainable piece that like doesn't go away. And part of what has gotten me so excited about our garden here. And so like hearing Matt talk about that stuff, seeing you experience like the joy of gardening with the girls and having your snap pea feast, like that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So are you able to, do you do a similar practice that that Matt does, you're out there early in the morning, kind of checking, checking on your garden, seeing what's going on, being, being present in the moment. Do you, do you I, type of thing too? I try to. Every morning I'm down here when I first wake up, I try to pour myself, I make some cold brew, usually the day before. Um, obviously the day before it's cold brew, it needs to steep overnight. So I make my cold brew, I wake up, I pour myself a cup, and then I go out to check the tomatoes 
Um, I, and while I'm doing that, I'm checking the weather, checking the weather for the next few days. And if I haven't been around the last few days, just to get a read on sort of how they're, how the plants are looking now, but also foreshadow a little bit, Hey, is there going to be rain in the next 36 hours? Is there going to be rain in the next 48 hours? What's that look like? Um, maybe pick some veg or just walk around and like say hi. You know, I, I like to think of plants as there's a relationship there. So I just go check in and I do, I find it like super grounding, super meditative right before I go pick up my daughter and, and then the day starts and everything's out of control. Do you, do you talk to your plants? I do talk to my plants. I sing to my plants. I try to play the music. I try to compliment them. Um, I know it's funny. I, so another thing is, I've, I always think about this study, and I heard about it, um, I don't know, probably 15 years ago. But it, we were, it was a program where um, they were talking about tattoos on people's skin and, and the power of sort of spoken word or written word. And it was a study, I think it was a Harvard study, but it was something having to do with, I think it was like in an orchid greenhouse, you know, they split the study between two greenhouses. One of the plants in the study or one of the groups of plants had like really hateful, you know, swear words and awful, like sort of hate speech that you see in tattoos written and then put on and then played sort of like angry angry music we don't have to get into heavy stuff whereas the other group of plants had a lot of like love peace like really kind compassionate words and then played classical music and reggae and like soft jams that were easy and flowing and there was like a noticeable difference between the two groups and and the ones that had nicer words grew a lot better and grew a lot happier thriving and more vibrant and so I sort of try to take that and channel that anytime I'm in the garden. And the garden, you know, helps me naturally just sort of regulate and the blood pressure drops the second I go in and, you know, my breathing changes a little bit. But I also try to like consciously sort of bring in some positive vibes, some happy music, like say hi, talk to the plants. I think, I think that's like, developing that relationship and, and thanking them saying like, Hey, you're putting in really hard work and you're going to give me and my family fruit and food and sustenance. Like that's awesome. It's going to be the end of your life cycle, but the beginning of my life cycle in some ways. Um, so I think that's really important, but I'm a bit of a weirdo. How about you? Do you talk to your plants in your tent? Do you go talk to them or do the girls think that's. No, I, I yell at them and scream at them. No, that's no, what, I don't. That's I don't why your that. plants are breaking. Have you thought about that? That's why your <laughs> I broke the spirit of the plants by yelling. No, that's a that's a really interesting study. I'll have to look that up. That's uh, I, I I do talk to them. Maybe we'll you know, look it I up and to link to it. We, have, we can do that sort of stuff. What's that? We can look it up and link to it if we can find. Maybe yeah. it's a study I made up. Maybe it's yeah, not it, a real study. If we can know. find it, we'll link to it. If not. Just, just take Gabe's word for it. Yeah, just, just it, trust it, this face. It sounds legit. So wait, I, I was a little confused. So are they, are the words just like printed out the, there? Or the are words are spoken? just. So I wonder well, if it's, I wonder if the music then is more of the factor. Could there be an intention behind like 
the F-bomb being written and placed on the stock of a tomato plant, like a tomato might be able to feel the vibration. Who yeah, and maybe I mean, when somebody comes by and sees that, maybe that kind of changes the way oh, they interact yeah. with the plant too. Yeah. No, that's that's really interesting. I don't I don't talk to them that much. Maybe a little bit. I talk. We have we have a couple of pet fish that I like to talk to, and hang out with. Uh, I haven't done it as much with the plants, but that that's yeah. Maybe I do. Talk to your plants. Like interview them. Check in with them. See how they're doing. Yeah. More, Say more thank you. I'm just like what you fell over. <laughs> Why are you dying? <laughs> say thank you to the say thank you, Basil, for making my pizza taste so tasty last night. Yeah, we should we should be more express more gratitude. That's that's definitely key as well. I think that plays into the whole sustainability aspect. And for me, like part of the sustainability aspect of a garden, like yes, it's gonna do good things for the environment. It's gonna reduce pressure on uh, supply chain, it's gonna provide great nutrients, but in order for things to be sustainable, I need to enjoy them. And so the expression of gratitude for me is an action of like, hey, I enjoy this. I enjoy this process. I'm gonna take time to like pay attention to liking the process and expressing that gratitude. And that multiplies on itself, you know, and, and that develops that like pattern. I mean, you're one of the more inspirational forces right now in my life of someone who pays attention to self-care and has a process that like really betters itself and builds on itself. I mean, I don't know if the audience knows this, but Jeremy and I met back in grad school and when I could show pictures from my phone, but like we were in very different places back then. Jeremy has gone through a world of transition. And I think it's because like in your process, you express gratitude. You know, I hear you talking even on the Juan podcast that you yeah. did, you were talking about your system and, and your morning routine and how grateful you are for it. And like, I think thanking yourself for the effort you're putting in helps perpetuate that system of sustainability, you know, like, so for me, it's all about expressing the gratitude to the plants. Well, I, I really appreciate that. You were my inspiration starting in grad school because you were out like running like ultra marathons and were all about like physical fitness and stuff. I was healthy. trying to. I really you were, never finished you were anything. Crushing it until you like ripped your leg. Tried really hard. <laughs> I want to thank everyone for listening to the podcast. Big thanks to Matt Lord for coming on. Really appreciated his time and his insight and sharing his experience. Also want to thank you, Gabe for coming in i think you filled Millen's shoes and maybe even like blue I'm, I'm i'm checking i'm checking there's still a lot of room i still <laughs> well you're right it's, up to it's kind yeah. of impossible to fill those it's, shoes, Im but it's impossible nonetheless this has been a lot of fun and really appreciate you coming on and, and sharing some wisdom and also throwing a bunch of compliments at me always a good time for me uh thank you that's what i'm here for we'll see you all next time thank you see y'all <laughs>